All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 251. I am your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. This is the show where young salespeople come to learn how to grow in their career. Super excited about this week's episode. Uh, I got my man, Ryan Scalera, on the line. Uh, he is an AE over at Dooley. Uh, if you don't know them, definitely check them out. They're uh, supporters of this podcast, and uh, I've got some friends over there as well. But Ryan is one of the most creative uh, prospectors out there. If you check out his LinkedIn, you'll see different music videos where he's either uh, making fun of something, he's prospecting into an account, uh, using a rap or something like that. And, uh, you know, definitely some of the most creative prospecting uh, ideas that I've seen anywhere on LinkedIn. Uh, formerly, uh, he's he sold at a bunch of spots, including uh, Gap Selling with Keenan uh, before his time at Dooley. Um, you know, has, has been in, in tech for a little while, was doing some insurance, financial services type of sales before that. Uh, we talked about some really good stuff, talked about how he got into sales, uh, you know, based on some family situations, becoming a father, how that uh, has motivated him, uh, his creative process, um, you know, what he's building over or helping to build over at Dooley. It's just a great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, Ryan's a stand-up guy, someone that uh, I've been wanting to connect with for a long time. So if you do like it, let me know what you think. Hit us up on LinkedIn. Um, you can leave a review here on Apple or you know, subscribe here, Spotify, YouTube, the whole, the whole gamut. That's what helps this show grow. Leaving reviews and subscribing, sharing with a friend, put a ton of time and effort into this podcast outside of being an AE. And uh, it would mean the world if you showed some love. Uh, before we get to Ryan, let's do a quick word to our sponsor. Uh, the sponsor for this episode is Postal.io. Uh, in a world where everyone is trying to, uh, you know, essentially just mass blast everything out that's unpersonalized and doesn't create partnerships uh, with your customers, uh, Postal has the opposite approach. They want to create a meaningful experience with your customers through uh, gifts that you might send to a customer, prospect, partner. Um, so instead of just maybe a random gift card, uh, it could be something from the florist across town or the local brewery that helps to create instant connection. And so in a world where we're all remote, I'm not taking customers out to dinner or anything like that right now. Uh, it's a great way to break through the noise and create, uh, you know, mutually beneficial partnerships with your customers. So check them out at postal.io. Shout out to them for the sponsorship. Uh, feel free to check out any other stuff that I've got going on. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me. Tom Alamo on LinkedIn. I've got a post every single day. I'm Tommy Tahoe on Twitter and Instagram. Show some love. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Ryan Scalera. Let's go. All right. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Happy to uh, happy to have you on. We were just commiserating about... Uh, being on the shorter side, vertically challenged. Uh, we're in the same ballpark there. And uh, honestly, you know, the virtual selling makes it a little bit easier. You know, you're not as self-conscious about some of that stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm not self-conscious about it. I'm fine with it. But it is funny <laughs> that we have this like cloud of mystery of what we're actually like in person. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait to meet the people that I've interacted with over the past like year. Uh, now that the world is opening back up, I feel like I've made a lot of friends through content. 
Have you uh, have you met anyone that works at Dually? Because you started like six months ago or so. Nope, I have never Crazy. met any of my coworkers, which is wild to think about. Yeah, I just did like three weeks ago, which got us started on the topic of everyone on my sales team ha just happens to be like six three, and uh, I'm like five nine, and so um, that was a little, you know, that that hit the ego a little bit. Um, but it is just a wild experience of starting at a company and still not having met people, you know, six months in. Yeah. So we've been in one giant long-term, long-distance relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, all right. So I want to learn, you are one of the most creative prospectors, salespeople out there that I've ever met. Um, I want to talk about all the stuff that you do, but I want to just take it back to the beginning for a second. Um, how did you get into sales? I see something about Paolo's kitchen on your LinkedIn. I don't know if that was a real sales job or if that was like, you're just, you know, you're selling at the counter, what's going on, but how did you get into sales? This was a very weird way to do it, but I was, so I was just engaged, found out that I was going to be a dad and I basically had a friend walk up to me. He's like, oh, Paulo needs salespeople to go sell his food at the farmer's market. So it's frozen Italian food, which <laughs> classic, perfect for me. I love food. I love Italian food. And I thought, you know, why not? They were paying like whatever, 100 a day. And if you hit a certain amount of food sold, which I think was like the most they ever sold was like $1,400 in like four hours at a farmer's market, you'd get an extra like 60 bucks. And I'd never really done sales. Uh, I just needed any kind of job that could help start bringing in money and help supporting me and my future family. So I went in and uh, Paulo always said, he has a very thick Brazilian accent. He was like, Ryan, you got a softer face. People like your face. <laughs> so I don't know what that meant, but it meant that like I could talk to, to people very easily. First day, it was a carrying crate sitting out in the sun for like hours. It was not fun. And then I think it was like the second day, someone was just like, don't try to like just sell people the food. It's like, talk about the ingredients, talk about what makes it up. So started doing that. All of a sudden the, the, the trays of frozen food just started flying out. And I remember the second day I hit the mark to get the commission. And I was like, oh man, this is, this is kind of fun proceeded to become his top sales rep and just go beyond what he was actually having me do. I got them into corporate kitchens. I started going B2B, helping him do catering as well. Um, really was helping him run his warehouse and, and his whole sales operation. We were doing like 15 markets a week. And I sold one time like $6,000 worth. So wow. he just loved me and he took me to the side and he was like, Ryan, you're a lot smarter than this. One day you're going to sell something way more sophisticated than this. And uh, that like that message stuck in my ear. I will admit, I went to Paula's Kitchen yesterday and had lunch. So me and him <laughs> are still buddies. And he's very proud to see that I've grown hustling uh, Italian food trays into a real career. That's awesome. Now, how, how old were you when this was all going down? Uh, I was 20... 21, 20, yeah. About so this 21. was your first like real, real job? No, so I was an audio engineer. As you can see like the microphone. Okay. Um, I was an audio engineer. I was in the music industry. I delivered pizzas, all, all sorts of jobs when I was younger. Uh, literally, I've probably, I've started a couple companies. 
yeah. as well. So I always had a mind for business, yeah. but I never launched anything uh, truly as much as I've just like enjoyed being in the sales seat. So it was, it was more like you were doing all this, all these different jobs and like maybe trying to make it work as a musician. And then like, you know, shit got real, like with family and it's like, Oh, I need to find something maybe a little bit more stable or something that like has a more consistent income. And then that's how, how it all kind of landed. Exactly. So I, I, I was in, uh, I was at Fairleigh Dickinson and uh, I left to go get my audio engineering certification. I did that. Um, and then when I did not continue to pursue audio engineering, I was like, oh no, I don't have a degree. What kind of job can I get? Yeah. Um, should I go back and complete my degree? And I was faced with just a decision, take on a bunch of more student debt, which I already was paying off, mm. or dive into a way to make money and try to support my family now. I didn't have a safety net I could fall on. So I went after it and it worked out. So yeah, it's good, but it was scary at the time. Yeah, totally. And and then uh, after Paolo's Kitchen, it looked like you got into insurance sales for a bit. Correct. So I went and um, I think it was just one day I was really frustrated. Like they didn't pay me on something. And I realized I wasn't really paying taxes on some of the commission. <laughs> it, it was just like, all right, this is the time where I need to invest in myself. So I went and I, on my own, funded like my insurance exams and my uh, security licenses. Studied my butt off. Uh, got really good at learning again. Like I yep. taught myself how to learn uh, again, which was awesome. And uh, went in, became an insurance agent, uh, crushed it really early on, created a niche for uh, myself with uh, succession planning for business owners. We were doing large insurance policies for buy-sell agreements and then went independent. So I wasn't part of like a prudential or anything like that. Did that for a couple of years and it's it's just such an old industry yeah. and there's no room for actual development. I was not being trained on how to sell. It was just a natural thing. So I wanted to go work for people that were smarter than me that could help me learn and maybe even give me a base salary. So it wasn't 100% <laughs> commission. Yeah. And uh, I took my knowledge of employee benefits and transitioned that into benefit technology. So yeah. It was my SAS jump. There you go. And and you mentioned earlier before we started that, like one of the things that you're focused on is just like making sales fun and that you spend a long time with it, with it not being fun. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what was it just, you just felt like it was just like this monotonous grind and it was just like super, you know, robotic or lifeless or, or what was it like? And then like, what was kind of the turning point to say, Oh, this this thing can actually be fun and like I'm gonna treat it that way. So it was it was like make 500 dials, uh, send emails, knock on doors. Uh, I mean, I've even had little jobs in between this where it was like I sold glass bottled milk door to door. I was the milkman. <laughs> I've done every like grind it out and like my boss following me to the bathroom kind of jobs where they're like, if you're not on the phone, you're you're useless. That's um, crazy. It's wild, but it like made me not like sales and the anxiety was so much. There was also no room for creativity. It was you yeah. do exactly what you're told to do and it'll eventually work out with the law of averages. And it just, my 
whatever. I, I forget who it was. It was like hire, I think it was like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs, hire like the laziest person because they're going to figure out the most creative way to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, yes. And that was my mindset in a lot of things. It, not that I was lazy, but like I wanted to figure out a cool or more creative way to do things. And a lot of the old jobs I was in just were not about it. They were not about efficiency, even though it took way longer to go knock on a, a hundred doors than it did to send uh, a really nice email campaign or, or just go very targeted. So when I got into software, that was when people were kind of in line and open to that if it worked. So then it was really about proving, can I make it work? Can I make it fun and creative? And as my career progressed, I got way more uh, leniency on the creativity. Now I'm at the point where like, I'm a renegade where Dooley's like, <laughs> you know, they may be like, ah, let's not do that. But for the most part, they're like, yeah, go do you, it's working, <laughs> like, which is yeah. awesome. So I get to get yeah. full weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's that's one of the key lessons of, of the show be find somewhere where you can go full weirdo yes be yours uh, i i literally have it i think in my bio it's like i'm a very big fan of being yourself and when i was in sales and i was trying to be their cookie cutter or someone else i didn't do as well so yeah. i've accepted who i am the kind of personality i'm like i may not be for everyone you know i spent years in a suit and tie being very formal yeah. uh but I also now I think I can be a lot more like real and it just it makes a better sales experience in in my opinion and the feedback I get from sales leaders that I sell to they're like, thank you for being like a human during this experience. Yeah. Do you um, do you do something different? I mean, we'll get to your your prospecting in a second, which is just a wild just wild scene out there on LinkedIn. But do you do anything else like throughout the sales process, like on a Zoom call or um, in your follow-up or anything else that like helps to kind of break through what can sometimes feel like a robotic process, even in, you know, software, even in like a, you know, a lively industry. Um, you know, if you're on back-to-back -back Zoom calls, it can just start to turn into like the same old story over and over again. Yeah. So uh, I think it's like when, when people are non-responsive on calls, when they're very like mundane, that might be hard to break through. But even still, I'll, I'll kind of tease the fact that that's the way it is. I'll be very real. I'm like, I'm like, what, what am I doing? Am I, am I, am I shocking you? Do we need to get you some coffee? Let's go. Like, <laughs> uh, I want people to be excited about the process to be what is probably a very boring process for them. They're sales leaders that know everything about sales and they have their own sales team and they're being sold to. So very transparent, uh, you know, people will be like, oh, we didn't want the price to be this. And instead yeah. of being like, oh, well, let's go back to the finer points. I'm just like, all right, listen, um, you understand that I, my boss does not want me to do that at all. Uh, here are the things that are important to me. Here's the things that are important to my company. If there's any wiggle room, it's gonna be a give and take. It's not gonna be something like that. So uh, so sign your first child over uh, and maybe we can work. <laughs> and uh, just get them to laugh a little bit, uh, you know? So it's not it's not this like awkward game of chess, you know? Yeah. It's a collaborative thing. And I think people appreciate that at, at the end of the day. And then like, I'll do it all the time where I'll send this, uh, this GIF which it's my face superimposed on a guy in a window and it just says, I miss you. And I'll send it to prospects when they go dark on me and they laugh and they're like, all right, this is great. Like, or I'll send a, a customized one from GIF, 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 GIF or whatever that I talk about a lot. 
uh, with my face and their face on it from Step Brothers, and they'll be like, "Did we just become best friends?" Whenever we hit on like a problem that we're we align on, that, yeah, that solve. So yeah, humanizing the process, humor. I have really corny humor, so I think that actually works perfectly for this environment. It's just enough professional and just enough uh, goofy to to work. I love it. I love it. Um, so you worked for uh, for Keenan uh, for a little bit before Dooley. Um, I'd love to hear one about the experience, but two, like, how did you actually land that job? I, I imagine there was some sort of like wild creative uh, prospecting into Keenan to get that. So I, I didn't, ne I'd never had a sales training, a real formal one before I'd read methodologies and a bunch of books and all that, and got a little bit of training coaching at the company I was at prior to Keenan central reach, they brought Keenan in for a full day training. And it was like, my mind was blown. It like completely reinvented the way that I wanted to sell to solve problems, ask questions and really get to the meat of it and dig beyond what I was uncomfortable digging into normally in discovery. Yep. Um, to get real with them and say, you know, you should buy or you shouldn't, and here's exactly why, and you said it via the line of questioning that we went through. Um, so after I got so hyped uh, after that, my VP of sales made a joke. It was like uh, that someone should write a rap song about it. Now, nobody knew I did music. No one. <laughs> um, so... I kind of nodded my head, went home that weekend, recorded a gap-selling rap song, <laughs> and I texted my VP of sales, and I said, uh, do you mind if I steal the first five minutes of Monday morning's meeting? And he was like, what is this about? And I said, refer all questions to my agent. And he just like laughed and was like, whatever, okay. I bring in a boom box, I put it down, I play the song, my team goes absolutely nuts. They thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That we played that song over and over again. They were like, "Can we use this in our in our uh, sales onboarding process?" Like a bunch of funny stuff. And I I thought this was something I'd be. It would have been kind of funny, really awkward, and then we just laughed it off and not talked about it. But they sent it to Keenan, and Keenan was like, "Can we use this in our pro promo?" So that's when I popped onto his radar first. Uh. Um, during COVID, uh, even though I was a top performer, I got laid off, and. Um, that's when I started talking to uh, one of my mentors, Rachel May, uh, who also was at Gap Selling. Um, and I just started making a lot of video content to put myself out there and get a job during COVID, which was very hard to do. Yeah. And I kept putting like Gap Selling into the videos randomly and like the book and I'd have, have Keenan in it. And uh, he would reshare it and like it and comment on it because it helped his brand. And eventually we realized that um, it may be an opportunity if I was able to show him that I could prospect and get accounts because sales training just wasn't being paid for at that time. Yep. Nobody was dropping money on anything, let alone sales training. Uh, but it was pretty much the solution to a lot of the problems when you're you know, not able to sell as easily. Gap selling was like a masterclass. And that, that my experience there was I get a master's class, uh, a master course or whatever on selling yeah. from someone who is just phenomenal and his VP of operations who is arguably better at selling than him. Don't, don't say I said it. <laughs> um, and she was incredible and she coached me so much. Uh, it just over the long term, it wasn't the timeline wasn't aligning with what I wanted to do long term. 
Uh, so we parted amicably. I basically saw Dooley, fell in love with it, and yep. uh, and I was like, I have to come work here because uh, he had me updating so much stuff in Salesforce that <laughs> so much discovery. Uh, but yeah, so the creativity got me job offers every other every other week. I still get job offers all the time, and I'm, I'm riding the Dooley train proudly. But it it just changed my career to be quite honest. Yeah. So, and cuz like my selling should have done that but instead it's my my rapping or like my creative videos. So how do you um I mean anyone that that goes to your LinkedIn they can go to the featured section. I I spent about an hour yesterday just like watching all of your videos um of you like prospecting into gravy with gravy packets everywhere and <laughs> you're wearing wigs and you're rapping and you're like being like green day emo and like all this different stuff. Like how do you, how do you like work that into your daily or weekly? I'm sure it's not daily, but how do you work that into your regular routine of, uh, you know, thinking of these ideas and executing on them while also, you know, getting after it in, you know, all the other things that you have to do. And maybe it's just that you have more time cause you don't update Salesforce uh, cause you have doing, <laughs> but I don't know. True. True. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we're, we're thinking of doing a whole video series on all the things Ryan can do now that he doesn't have to spend too much time <laughs> during Salesforce notes. Uh, but I, so in the beginning, it was a lot harder because I had to really plan it out. I didn't know how to execute on it. Like I film all this stuff with an iPhone, um, but I've got it down pretty much to a science now. If I have a good idea that I want to execute on, it doesn't take that much time and it could take like a half an hour to like get the recording done or uh, another half an hour to film and then maybe like an hour at night I want to video edit it and put it all together um, and it's really like it depends on what the content is meant for so with the thing like gravy or what I did with gong for say I got not one meeting but like 10 out of it yeah uh, so it was well worth the effort put in and you know when I reach out to people now sometimes they're like oh yeah I love your videos and that is like the the best cold way to come in. Someone actually knows of you. Right. Uh, why I, I you know the Sarah Braziers of the world just can crush it because they're they have the dual mix. They're good at selling, and they're somewhat known. They're somewhat familiar. So you're not you know you're not getting a random uh, you know SDR. But then again, high expectations. I get people yeah. being like, "What? I don't get a rap." I'm like, "You get an email. Come on, don't make me do that." <laughs> Yeah. If you had a, if you had more employees, you might get a rap or, you know, yes. yes. If it was a larger company, maybe, but yeah, that's funny. Um, so walk me through. All right. So you're, you're, uh, you have a rap background, audio background. I I'm a big hip hop fan myself. I've been known to freestyle, uh, from time to time. I'm not going to do it now. It's seven in the morning. It's, yeah. this is not my prime time to do that, but let's hear top five all time rappers. Oh, I got asked this over the weekend. I really, oh, this is rough. Okay, so I would definitely say Eminem was a major influence for me. Uh, I started listening to hip hop with Tupac. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, Big L, which I wish he got an actual chance to like continue his life and and uh, so do good. Really well, Rakim. Um, Oh, snap. Um, 
think I'm you gonna got just, you got four. I got four. I think I'm gonna just throw a wild card in there. I uh, I think Lupe Fiasco was really wow creative. And that's a little bit of throwback. I wouldn't say he's all time greatest at all, but definitely. But your favorite, one of your favorites. I was like a little little punk skateboarder kid, so Kick Push was was the jam. Legendary, <laughs> legendary. He's got he's like super smooth. You know what I mean? He's almost got like kind of a a jazzy type of of rap style, which I can appreciate. So it's funny. I worked uh, I worked for uh, a studio, and the guy I was working under had a record deal on the table. And he was like the same thing, a skateboarder, you know, musical artist, rapper. And his deal actually got canned in favor of Lupe Fiasco. They were looking for that exact type of guy. Wow. And the bitterness the guy I worked for had towards Lupe Fiasco was massive. It was funny to uh, to really get a step into the scene and i've met i've met like method man and why clef <laughs> wow i got to meet some really cool people music uh producers in the industry i'm glad i'm not in it i it was not a fun time it's not yeah. a very friendly industry and basically you can expect people to try and uh you know screw you over so not yeah glad i'm not in that anymore <laughs> did you I have to imagine you did, but did you ever see the documentary series, The Defiant Ones? I saw like parts of it, but yeah. Dude, that come on. You gotta like, I think I've watched it like five times through and every time I do, I'm like, I'm starting a record label. Like well, I'm doing it tonight. <laughs> it's a, it's a whole new world that the music industry has evolved into. And I, I like it. It's interesting. I think the best part is you don't have to go the main way that you used to. It's yeah. like you can create it on your own. So, hell, I I self uh, produce and and still publish music under a different name on like Spotify and Apple Music just for passion and fun. Yeah, uh, I write songs and I I may post them, but I don't you know like my serious music where I'm actually trying. Uh, there's a low low level of quality needed for sales prospecting. To be quite honest. So when you, when you, uh, I'm just curious, when you create music under your, uh, pseudonym, uh, like you create the beats and everything you do the whole, like nuts, nuts to bolts, or do you like, do you yeah. do it with someone else? It depends. Um, so I, I am an audio engineer, but I don't mix my own vocals anymore. I go to an actual studio. I get a, I get it done. I like to focus. It's kind of like, instead of being a, a business owner, I like to focus on the sales side. Yeah. Instead of being a full-fledged producer, I like to focus on the lyrics and the the song and, and the vocal. Sure. Yeah. Um. So sometimes I'll purchase music that I now have the license to uh, record a song over to. Um. Sometimes I'll produce it myself, but I haven't really produced a full record in a bit. So I really just find like a a really good instrumental that I can, you know, immediately click with and go from there instead of doing it from you know beginning to end. Do you share your your musical name with the public, or is this like you just do it and, and you don't? Sure, sure. It's uh, I it's Frankie Hope, uh, which Frankie is my, Hope, my great grandfather's name, who was a musician who performed with Ella Fitzgerald and Wow, yeah, like really cool folk. Baller. Um, and he gave up music to be a family man, which is why I'm here, and yeah. I I basically wanted to do the exact same thing, so. 
So it's F-R-A-N-K-Y and then Hope, which was his stage name. So That's awesome. It's my you heard it here first. Everybody will hear my hippie music. <laughs> I'm excited to check it out. Um, so I've got, I've got one or two uh, last questions for you. One, uh, you mentioned at the beginning, really the, the inflection point of your career uh, and maybe life was um, getting into sales and, you know, starting a family and, and all of that, um, however long ago that was. Um, how has that been an inspiration and motivation for you. And, and I, the reason I ask is I was talking to Ryan Heafy, who's uh, run sales over at Qualier. He's a director of sales. And he just talked about this inflection point of, he's kind of like a, actually like a shitty sales rep, <laughs> uh, so admittedly. And then when he was, you know, set to have his first son, like something just clicked in his brain of like, oh no, it, it's game on. And it totally changed how he, how he handled his business. And I'm just curious how the, how the, um, your world of being a dad and, and starting a family has kind of changed or, you know, added a fuel to your fire. A thousand percent. Like I was working uh, a five to nine as an audio engineer, not a nine to five. Yeah. When I became a dad, I was very terrified of what I was going to do to provide and just even have an apartment. We've almost gotten evicted in the past. Mm. Luckily we did have a good like support system and family around, but it's I don't think I would ever be anywhere near where I am and I don't think I'm in any amazing place um, but I wouldn't be where I am if that push wasn't behind me everything I'm doing is to try and create a, a nice a stable and fun you know life for my kids and for my wife and I so it it changed everything I was a slacker I was a skater kid <laughs> and, and now uh, I feel like a semi-professional. <laughs> so yeah, it, it awesome. really did put the, the fire there. And I'm now just not only driven by that, but I'm driven from my passion for sales that I learned along the way. I didn't come in thinking I'd be passionate about this or like really love software, but yeah. I, I really love sales and salespeople. And mm -hmm. it's also why I want to sell for a company like Dooley is because I get to help salespeople, and yeah. I, I love our profession, and I want to help bring it to the next level and push boundaries, as you could probably see in some of the videos. I'm trying, yeah. trying to figure out where that line is. Yeah, I uh, keep pushing it. I, I think we're we're similar in that regard. It's it's like you know people say to follow your passion, but I I, I also think it works in the reverse of the thing that you actually start working on and get deep into. Um, oftentimes you start to get more passionate as you get deeper into the process and deeper into the craft. And, uh, I feel super similar. That's why I run the show. That's why I work at Gong. It's like all, all, all the things that I, uh, do lines up with what you just said about, you know, kind of falling in love with the craft and wanting to elevate it. And, uh, I have to, and give, a, I have to give a shout out to Andrew Hahn, the CRO over at form assembly for this, but he connected me, told me to read Jay Shetty's think like a monk. And I was just like, you know, listening to it again. There's a part where it talks about um, uh, passion and what that really means. And, and passion is something you don't like start off with. Like you, nobody's really passionate about vacation. You enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. You're not passionate about it. Passion is something that the more you do it, the more it excites you, the more intensely you start to uh, think about it and like it. And that's my experience with sales. It's like, I didn't come in passionate. Uh, yeah. 
I I've grown passionate about mm. it all the time. That you know that's the third time in the last week that someone's recommended Jay Shetty either his book or his podcast, and I've intentionally avoided him. Um, I don't know why. I felt like when I looked at him, I was like, this guy seems gimmicky, and uh, like you're you're the third person that I respect that has brought him up in the last like six days, and so. I'm going to buy the book today um, and I'm getting in on it, but, but everyone seems to be raving about um, I wasn't his, ready his for work. It. I wasn't yeah. ready for it. I actually avoided it when it was first recommended. I was like, oh, but I felt like such in like a not mindfulness. <laughs> like I was yeah. not in that position. So I didn't think I'd absorb the material that well. So on my, my little flight over to uh, Puerto Rico, sort of really digging in again and you know, whatever it is, like, even if you, you read gap selling, you get one thing out of it, you're still better off. In yeah. this case, maybe this will help align you on your mission a little bit more, or maybe you'll get nothing. Who knows? Yeah. Um, any other resources talked about gap selling, talked about Jay Shetty, anything else that has been super impactful for you, books, podcasts, people you follow, anything like that, any sort of resources? It could be any topic. It doesn't have to even be sales related, but yeah um i would say uh yoga in general which i need to mm. get back into my wife uh, is a yoga instructor and uh, she teaches other yoga te like teaches teacher training yep. and in sales we have so much stress and so much the opposite of really how we should function it's a taxing career it can be uh and I feel like honestly yoga has been an incredible way to combine the physical with meditation and not want to pull my hair out on a day-to-day -day basis. So I don't have any like, like go take this yoga class or read this yoga book, but I have more people in sales that do it. I think we're just gonna have a more relaxed environment. Well, maybe we'll do away with quotas eventually. We'll get the directive <laughs> in on it. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll both tag our bosses in that and see if yeah. we can. Oh, and if uh, I'm wearing the shirt, I'll just shout out Rev Genius and Jared Robbins, wonderful organization that helped me meet a lot of amazing people. Shout out to Jared. Any any takeaways from uh, Rev Genius just in general, like just the community of of meeting everyone, or anything in particular that has been impactful for you? It's been an incredible thing just to watch. Uh, I think me and Jared were almost in the exact same position of unemployment and not sure what to do. Yeah. And I think that one thing that it taught me is that the, we, we all came together, especially the sales community. Everybody was out there trying to help, talk, network. Uh, and he's built into this incredible machine. And now, you know, he's going to scale it and do whatever, you know, he's going to do. But... I think there's probably way more stories about people that gained some sort of benefit, met someone, connected to more people through that than anything that's going to benefit him directly. And I think that that's a beautiful sentiment to like build the community first. A lot of companies, including Gong, including Chili Piper, Dooley, we're all trying to build communities and connect to the sales community before really peddling product or white papers or anything like that. So yep. yeah, I think it's a... It's a really special thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Anyone that can better others and that, you know, ultimately obviously betters them, but kind of focuses on others first, I have immense respect for. And I think just things work out for those types of people in the long run. So shout out to Rev Genius. Um, Ryan, this is a blast. A any last uh, parting words? And then obviously where uh, is the best place for folks to check out uh, you, connect with you, binge your videos, etc. <laughs> LinkedIn, always the best way to connect with me, find my videos, 
Um, if uh, if your sales team wants to do less data entry, ryan.scalera.dooley.ai, how you doing? Uh, and then ultimately, like, I want more people to start figuring out how to be themselves at work and in sales and have a little humor. I know that you feel this pressure that it's like, well, I can't do that or I'd be too afraid or my manager wouldn't like that. You'd be very surprised, especially if you do well at your job. You can start to create that flexibility for yourself. Gong is an amazing example of a bunch of individuals that have all created something amazing beyond just Gong itself, the product or the brand. Like there's a bunch of incredible people and they got, you know, someone like yourself coming in here too. figure out how to have fun with it, figure out how to be creative with it, even if it's just a little bit. And uh, yeah, the sales profession becomes a lot more enjoyable after that. Yeah, have a lot more fun. Well, uh, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on. Loved your story. Um, everyone go check him out on LinkedIn. Give him a shout out. And uh, otherwise, we'll be back uh, with another episode next week. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Great connecting, Tom. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. What's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out that podcast. Uh, happy July to you. Uh, would love if you took 22 seconds and hit subscribe wherever you're listening or watching this. Uh, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, your favorite podcast player. And be sure to check out some of my content on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Tom Alemo. And on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Tommy Tahoe. Have a great day. Make it legendary. Peace.